0: Well, good morning, everyone. And today, I I love hearing that first part of that song that we that just went through. Actually, all the songs were great this morning. Thank you, Angie, for leading. Um, But that that part just there, where we heard that we have storms and trials, but that we are ever faithful. And actually, it's are we faithful? Are we steadfast? Or is it the Lord that's steadfast? And and today we're going to be looking at a story in Genesis 22 about the God who tests. And we're going to see God testing his servant, Abraham. And so this morning, I know it's it's a very familiar story. Many of us have have heard it many times. Uh, But I encourage you this morning to think of it, as we approach this text, to look at it in just a different way point of view. Maybe just think about, hey, what if I was Abraham? Or what if I was Isaac? Or what if I was one of the the servants that was walking with them on this journey? And so I just encourage you to just kind of let the text sink in 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 a new way today and see what God wants you to learn from this message today. So we are in a series called The God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob, and so far we're just looking at what it, what it, it means that, that Abraham, who this God of Abraham is, and we've seen so far that Abraham saw this God, actually didn't literally see him, but he found that God was calling him, and that God is a God who calls, and we saw that a few weeks ago, that he's the God who calls, but he's also the God who blesses, so with that calling and that obedience comes blessing. And then last week we saw in Genesis 17 and then the first part of 21 that the God who makes promises is faithful to keep them. So just because somebody can make a promise doesn't mean that they're always going to be kept. But our faithful God does always keep his promise. Now it might not seem as fast as we want it to be like Abraham had to wait 25 years before his promise came true of, he, of he, he getting to see his son Isaac be born. And that the blessing that God was giving and had promised that he's going to be this father of a great nation and he's going to have all these, this inheritance and all these people coming after him. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He can't even be able to count them. But Abraham didn't have a kid. And so when, when this promise came, fulfilled 25 years later, it's still... So he's, Abraham is putting kind of all of his hope into this promise that God is blessing him through his son, Isaac. And we're going to see that today. Um, Last week we looked, we saw that, that God wants us to trust his ways, that God gives us signs to show his faithfulness, and that God shows that he fulfills his promise. And we saw that through the coming of Isaac being born even to, in crazy circumstances of these a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man, that God was faithful to keep His promise to them. And so I encourage you to open your Bibles today to Genesis 22, and we're going to look at something that we don't like to talk about very much, how steadfast we are. How, what, what do we do when we are tested? I mean, when we take a test in school, a lot of times there's a lot of anxiety going into that test, isn't there? Because we know it's a test, or maybe we forgot it's a test. <laughs> oh, today's the test. Oops. <laughs> I was hoping that was next week. <laughs> but we have some anxiety going into the test. But here in this text, we're not going to... Abraham's not going to know it's a test. So let's read this from Genesis 22. And, and just to catch everyone up, in case you missed a little bit or aren't unfamiliar to who Abraham is, Abraham is the man that God called away from his, his family and, and protection of his household, away from his country. And he said, I'm going to bless you. Come be faithful to me, and I'm going to bless you. And so 25 years, Abraham has been faithful to the Lord, mostly. There's been some, there's some, and some interesting things he also did. We can, yeah, you can see about that in in, in some of the stories with with uh, he having a different son and things like that. But but he has been faithful and understanding that God's promises are going to come true no matter what. He believed God, and he credited as righteous because he believed and his faith is. In Jesus, or sorry, not in Jesus yet, because he doesn't know Jesus. In the Lord God, Yahweh, the God that he, our living God. All right, so in Genesis 22, at the very first, very first line in Genesis 22, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, I just want you to keep in mind, um, God didn't say, Abraham, by the way, I'm going to test you. A lot of times, when there's trials in our life or there's tests in our life, even if they're from God, we don't hear from God saying, God, or so and so, God, this is God speaking, I'm going to test you right now. Has anybody ever, anybody ever been told by God, I'm about to test you? Raise your hand. I'm about to test you. I mean, God can do that if He wants, but here He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, um, Abraham, I'm about to test you. So, the fact that Moses, when he wrote this, he added that first. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. That's not for Abraham's benefit. That's for our benefit. So we can see that, that this crazy thing that God's asking Abraham to do is actually a test. That he's not actually wanting his son to be killed. Okay? I think that's good for us to know. That God's not actually wanting us to kill people. Okay? I... I think that aligns up pretty well with Anabaptist theology. <laughs> All right. So, in verse 1, God said to Abraham, Abraham. So now he's called him his new name, right? He, called, he was Abraham before, and now he says, Abraham. And Abraham replies, here I am. Okay? Verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Now keep in mind, he had another son. He had, but in the, the previous chapter, he had just sent Hagar and Ishmael away. The, 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 um, this, the one, um, his other wife and his, Ishmael got sent away because there was a lot of strife. By the way, not surprising, if you marry two women and they both have kids, there's probably going to be some strife. We're going to see that later in, in this when Abraham's grandson, Jacob, he's going to find that out too. But, but yeah, the, I think, well, that's pretty clear. Marry one person. <laughs> All right, that's not, that's not the point right now. All right, so God says, take your only son, your only son that you love, and go sacrifice him. I, th- this, he says, Isaac, and take him to the region of Moriah, and there sacrifice him As a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. All right, pause. First of all, we know because it says God is testing Abraham that that we know that God's intent wasn't that Isaac be killed. Okay? So I know this is an awkward story, but the intent is that Isaac isn't killed. The intent is to see the heart of Abraham. Okay? God wants to know. God wants to test Abraham to see how faithful he is to God, how faithful he, he is to obeying what he said. And right away it says in the next verse, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the, with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Okay, there's a lot of things here. A lot of things to note. First of all, Abraham right away obeyed. Now, I don't know if he just... Went, got up the next morning right away so that his wife wouldn't know where they're going, so he didn't have to have the conversation. Uh, I would think it's a good idea, if you're married, to let your spouse know about a trip that you're going on, especially because it, it takes him three days to get there. Uh, but I think he just didn't want to have the conversation. I mean, maybe he did, it just... Uh, Moses does not include that. Uh, so there's this, this, this hard thing that he has to do if there's something really hard you have to do, there's kind of a few different ways that we, that we can take it. You know, if there's something really hard you have to do, a lot of people, including me sometimes, we put it off. We procrastinate, don't we? If you like to, pro- not if you like to, if you procrastinate, raise your hand. All right, some, some more hands coming up? Come on. Some, some procrastinators should be raising their hand a little bit late, yeah? All right. A lot of procrastinators here. And those are the ones that admit it. <laughs> a lot of procrastinators. And so we, you know, but I think Abraham, I don't know if he was a procrastinator or not, but he's just like, hey, this is really hard. I better just go do it because if I procrastinate, I won't do it. And I want to trust what God's saying more than what I want to do. And I think that's a good lesson for all of us. We want to trust what God says and obey him more than doing whatever we think we should do or what we want to do. So good job, Abraham. But I think more than than all of this, the reason that God is testing Abraham is he wants to see where his true worship lies. Thank you, Susie, for bringing that up this morning, the difference of praise and worship. But I think here, you know, God expects... Our worship to be only for Him. And actually, that's our first point today is that the God who tests expects to be worshiped alone. He doesn't want us to be worshiping other gods. And I know a lot of us can say, well, I don't worship other gods. I'm not bowing down before Baal or some of these other gods in the Bible. Uh, This is crazy. Why would I ever go before and worship other gods? I would never do that. But, where is our affection? Where are we putting our worship? And and in this case, Abraham, he was looking forward to the day that he would have this son, this inheritance, this blessing. And for 25 years, and now we're not sure how old exactly Isaac is here, but... Most people you know, kind of think he's a, at least old enough to carry stuff, so he's, he's probably at least 10 or 15 or so. We don't know. But, but Abraham is now for, for the last, let's just say Isaac's 10. Let's say for 10 years he has seen this little boy, this little baby grow up, and he is, has so much affection for that child. Now, is that wrong? It's not a trick question. No, it's not wrong. It's good to have affection for your kids, right? Like, you get to see them growing up. You get to see them like, wow, they're figuring out things. They're like, oh, well, they're, they're sinners, <laughs> right? <laughs> we learn a lot from our kids, especially when, when Ellen and I first became parents. We started learning a lot about life and about how, about how God sees us. Like, parenting is a great way of, I mean, it's really hard, but it's a great way of Seeing uh, like learning more about life and about God, but so Abraham is seeing this boy grow up, and God is seeing Abraham's affection for his his son Isaac, and I think God is just wanting to, to know, hey Abraham, are you worshiping me alone, or are you putting all of your hope into this promise that I gave you, that Isaac? is going to be the blessed one and he's the the, all the you know this this nation these great nations are going to come out of him so god expects that we worship him alone if you are a follower of jesus christ god wants our complete worship and i know there's a lot of really worshipful things that happen on sundays but sadly, in this country, a lot of that worship is happening on Sunday afternoons and Sunday nights and Monday night football. It's not happening as much on Sunday mornings or in church services. There's a lot of worship that's happening, but where is our worship going? What are we putting all of our hope into? Sorry, there's some Saturday afternoon and Saturday night worship too. I, I know that. <laughs> and Friday night. But, and I'm not just saying football is what people worship, but there's a lot of things that we worship and that compete with worship of the Lord Jesus. And God doesn't want us, God doesn't want to compete for our affection. He wants to be worshipped alone. And so I think this is an example here that Abraham is being tested, and I think God tests us in the same way. Not with sacrificing your, your one and only son, but what do we need to sacrifice? What are we putting? What are we putting in competition with worshiping God? Whatever that is, it shouldn't be there if you, if you have committed your life to following after Jesus. Now, if you haven't, that, this isn't, that's not for you then. All right, so the, the first thing here is that, we, that God is expecting us to worship Him alone, to worship the the giver, not the gift. Okay? He gave Isaac. This is this is the gift. And we want God wants to make sure that we are worshiping him, the source of life, not what, we, what he gives us. And we see this, we see this in Jesus. Jesus was tempted by Satan. But then but he was tempted to do something that was wrong in the, in the desert. And, and Jesus rejected all of those things that Satan was, was tempting him to do. But then, a few years later, Jesus, the night before he was, the night before he was crucified, he went and prayed in the garden. He wanted his, his close disciples to pray with him. But he was praying to his heavenly Father saying, he he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew that he was about to go to the cross. And that was the way that he was going to save anyone that puts their trust in him in the future. But Jesus willingly, he went willingly, but he worshiped his father alone. Instead of his own desires, instead of this desire of, of not wanting to die. He worshipped His Father alone, and that's a great example for us. Now, sometimes people might wonder, well, why is God testing? Isn't that, like, mean or wrong? But God tests. God has every right to test us, to see where our affections are. You know, this story kind of points a little bit to to Job. And at the beginning of the the book of Job, there's this conversation between the adversary, Satan, and God the father and in job in job 1 verse 12 to thir- uh, tw- uh, 1 9 to 12 it says so satan asks does job fear god for nothing have you put a hedge around him and to and his household and everything he has and you have blessed the work of his hands and his flocks and his herds they spread out he is wealthy and now, stretch out your hand in everything he has and surely he will curse you to your face. So, so Satan is saying, Job only worships you. He's only happy with you. He only praises you because he's wealthy, because he has a good life, because you've blessed him. In verse 12 of that chapter, the Lord said to Satan, Very well, then everything he has in your power but the man himself did not lay a finger. So, so God, this is, this is confusing for us. Like, why is he saying it's okay to test him? But in a similar way, God tests Abraham here. So, God, God tests us, but he also expects that we are worshiping him alone. And he wants to see that our affection is in him alone, not in other things. Not just, be, not just because we have a good life or because we have things. Or blessings, or whatever it is, God wants that we worship Him, the giver, not the gift. Now it's okay to enjoy those blessings, but we want to have our affection completely in the Lord. All right, so then in, back in Genesis 22, verse 5, it says So Abraham said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey. Well, the, the boy and I go over there and we will worship you and come back. So the, even the, that sense of like, that Abraham is saying, we are going to worship the Lord and we are going to come back. What is that saying about what's going to happen? Is, is, some people have debated, does this mean that Abraham wasn't really going to do it? That he really was not going to sacrifice Isaac? Many people, many scholars have pointed out in this part that it wasn't about that he wasn't going to do it, but in fact, that he believed that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. It even says that in Hebrews. That, that Abraham had so much faith in God that he believed that Isaac would come back with him after being resurrected. Alright, so in, in verse 6 then, it says, Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering or sorry the, took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. Okay, what it, to me when I read that I think it's kind of a symbolism of Jesus going to the cross carrying this wooden cross on his back. You know, I don't know how much wood it, Isaac and Abraham needed for this burnt offering but I'm guessing it was a little bit bigger than a normal one because a person is bigger than, a, than a, a ram or something, a smaller animal. So he's carrying this wood. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went to, on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, his, his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here," Isaac said. "But where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" Isaac's not a dumb kid. <laughs> he, he, they've been walking for three days. I, I wonder. The, some of that conversation was if, what? What conversation was Abraham having with God? Was Abraham having with Isaac, with the servants? What Isaac? What are we thinking? Finally, after these three days, Isaac speaks up. I'm not trying to say they didn't have a conversation. I don't know what they had. But he's finally saying, Okay, Dad, um, I know how burnt sacrifices, I know how offerings work. We have most of the things we need here. But we're missing a big piece of it. And when we're supposed to bring a sacrifice, you're supposed to find the perfect animal. Now, they don't have the sacrificial system set up yet. That, that goes later with that God gives all those Laws of moses but here this a sacrifice there's been a few times that was said in genesis that abraham built an altar and and i believe that he's built altars in isaac's life too because isaac knows there's something missing dad what's missing what's missing well what are we sacrificing we don't just go up and build an altar and put some wood on it and start a fire There has to be something that we're giving, that we're providing, that we are going to give to God, that we're going to sacrifice. And so Abraham said, he answered his son saying, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God himself. And I wonder how Isaac thought about that. God himself. So God, God wants us to sacrifice something to him, but God's going to provide it. Interesting. If, if it were my son, I think he would say, then why do we have to walk three days to go there? <laughs> you know? You know? Why? Then if God's going to do it, well, what's the point of going through all the motions of this? God can just do it himself. But... Abraham here is foreshadowing again the cross. Now Abraham I don't think knows understands that, but he says God himself will provide the lamb. God himself Jesus will be the perfect lamb. And our second point today is the God who tests provides the needed sacrifice. God provides what's needed for the sacrifice. God provided His only Son, Jesus Christ, as the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, is what John the Baptist said. But that He provided Jesus to be the sacrifice, to take our place, so that we can have eternal life with The Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' perfect sacrifice is what we need. It's what everyone needs. Not just one time a long time ago when we were kids, but whenever and always we need to remember the cross, that Jesus died for our sins. And if you have never ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, it's not too late. Jesus is calling all people to himself. He wants to be in a relationship with each of us. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. So both, picture this. The father and son both doing what was needed. It, both of them. Abraham, he was taking his son to be sacrificed. Isaac, he's carrying the wood. Neither of them wanted to do this. I, I wonder if Isaac really knew that he was going to be the sacrifice. At what point? So let's, let's read on here. In, in Genesis 22, it says in verse, in verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about. God built, or Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Okay, if he hasn't figured it out yet, he knows now. He put him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham replies, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You passed the test. You passed the test. You have not withheld what, the thing that you treasure on this earth the most, You've given it to me. You passed the test. Abraham looked up in the thicket. He saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Instead of his son. He sacrifices what God provides. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So the people always remember that mountain as the place that God provided a way for them. God provided a way for them to not have to die, to not be like Isaac that, that had to die, but there was this ram that took its place. God provided the perfect Sacrifice that was needed. So like when we sang that song earlier this morning, we sing the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Do we bring our offering do we bring our sacrifices do we praise the lord whether we like the song or not do we praise the lord whether we're frustrated or we're in a bad mood or or we don't think that god is 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 god is putting us through a hard time god's testing us i can't praise the lord no we bring our sacrifices of praise into the house of the lord and we offer up to god Our thanksgiving, we offer up even our joy. Everything He gives us, we offer to Him. The good things and the bad things, we give to Jesus. Because the God who tests provides what's needed for the sacrifice. Even if we don't think we can do it, we still offer our praise. We still offer our thanksgiving. We offer our joy. We offer all that we have and all that we are to our Savior, Jesus And so we first saw that God, the God who tests, expects to be worshipped alone, and then the God who tests expects—I'm sorry—provides the needed sacrifice. And let's see here how this story finishes. In, In Genesis 22, verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham. From heaven a second time, and by the way, many people believe this angel of the Lord is actually is actually Jesus. Okay, now it's the pre-incarnate Jesus. He hasn't come in the flesh yet because that's Jesus. Uh, that's Jesus coming as a baby in, in in the New Testament. But many scholars think that this because this this was Jesus because he said he keeps referring to I and he's talking about God. Okay, so. He, Here he says, he says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Just like he has promised before. But now he's saying, I'm blessing you Just like that. You're going to continue to get this blessing because you passed the test. Verse 18, And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. So remember in Genesis 12, 2, when when Abraham is first being called, God is saying, I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. You're going to be blessed so that you can bless others. So people everywhere around the world can know that you are blessed, that you are different, and that you can show blessing to them, and they will come to me and glorify me. That we will be witnesses, that Abraham will be a witness for the Lord God through him, and many will come to to him. That the blessing is not just for the Israelites. The blessing is for the world, but it's through the Israelites. And now the blessing isn't through just the Israelites anymore. It's through the church. It's through Jesus who started his church. And so we are one part of that church. But there's thousands or hundreds of thousands of churches around the world. And we are all worshiping Jesus. And we are, also, we are all seeking to be a blessing. Take God's blessing that he gives us and pass it on to others, aren't we? Right? Isn't, that what, isn't that what he told us to do? Go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you everywhere. So we're going we're to t- we're go everywhere, where we are and where we live and places here and there. But then throughout the whole world is to be reached with the blessing of God. And his good news isn't just that God is good. It's that God is so good that he saves us. But we have to choose, we have to choose to trust in him. We have to choose to put our life in him. We have to choose that God is the one, the only one that can provide a way for us to be with him in heaven. And so the God who tests, all right, sorry, the God who tests, our third point today is that he blesses our obedience. The reason Abraham was blessed is because he obeyed. The reason that Isaac is still, that Isaac took this blessing and that the nation of Israel was blessed is because of the obedience of Abraham. And I believe that Isaac, as even if, if he was a 10-year-old or 15-year-old, whatever he was, Isaac learned that what God wants And what God says is going to happen, he sees that fulfillment, and he he knows not just that God fulfills, but that God blesses obedience. And then, so Isaac can see that God is the provider, and we're going to hear about that next week in the sermon from Tyler Hartford. He's going to be talking about the God of Isaac being the God that is providing. And so, the God who tests provides everything we need he provides more than what we need he provides the, the needed sacrifice he wants to be worshiped alone and he blesses our obedience our main idea today is that the god who tests is the god who provides he provides he doesn't just test us and say okay uh, well you passed or you didn't no but he provides what we need he provided that that ram for abraham didn't he Abraham and Isaac, when, when, when Abraham was, was obeying the Lord, then, and then the Lord says, Stop, you've passed the test. There was still an offering that needed to be happening. Obedience doesn't stop all the sacrifice that is needed. He still needed a sacrifice, and God provided that sacrifice. Obedience enough, if we obey God our whole life, that's not enough. We still need the sacrifice of His only Son to take our place on the cross. You know, I think it's really cool. In this text, it talks about Mount Moriah. But in Chronicles in 2 Chronicles 3, it says that Solomon built the temple On this very place. And so when they're talking about the mountain of God in this text, in this this scripture here, they're talking about the temple. The place where the rest of the whole Old Testament, the people of God, are taking the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and they're taking it to the slaughter. And it's to, to cleanse them from their sin and their guilt and their shame. And what does Jesus do instead? He takes out the sacrificial system because he said, I am the perfect sacrifice. God provided. God the Father provided his one and only son, just like Abraham was to to bring his one and only son, the one that he loved, the one that the Father loved. Do you think God the Father was just like, yeah, this is the best thing, let's just do it? No, he didn't want Jesus to die. He didn't want His one and only Son that He loved, that He was in relationship with, He didn't want Him to go to a criminal's death on a cross and not just the the physical death, but also to be rejecting Him and to be away from Him, to not be in relationship with Him for even a matter of moments or a day or two. On the third day, He rose. But Jesus willingly went to the cross. He willingly died. He willingly was, was the needed sacrifice. And I don't know, when I, when I hear about that, when I think about Jesus taking my place on the cross, that Jesus was the perfect lamb, that Jesus was, if, if, without Jesus doing that, we're all, we're all lost. When I think about that, Sometimes just thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But when you really stop and think about Jesus taking my place, if I've accepted Jesus and I've accepted His sacrifice, and instead of me being on that altar or me being on that cross, God provided what was needed. So I hope that gets us. I hope that gets us not to be sad and to mourn about it, but to, be, to live in victory. Because Jesus took our place. Now, it's still we have to accept Jesus' gift, this gift of salvation. So, if you haven't done that, please don't wait. Please don't wait. It's it's not worth it. Jesus offers Himself as the perfect sacrifice. And what we need to do is respond and respond. Obediently to his sacrifice. Saying, I, this is what I need. This is, all, this is the only thing I need. There's nothing else that matters compared to knowing Jesus. Compared to living in Jesus. Nothing else matters. And so the God who tests is also the God who provides. He provided a perfect son. A perfect plan of salvation for all to be saved that choose to put their life and trust in Jesus. So I just want to invite you to, to take a moment right now and think about this, this question. Just ask yourself, is there something that you're sensing the Lord is asking you to sacrifice to Him? There's something that's on, that's, that's competing in a place of your worship of the Lord. So, so talk to the Lord about that just for a moment. God, thank you for providing the perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you for having a plan of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly dying in our place. Jesus, we thank you that you, you offer us life and you offer us a free gift to live with you for eternity. And so, God, I just pray if there's, if there's anyone here or watching or listening that doesn't know you, that doesn't know that you are the good God that provided a way of salvation for each person that chooses to accept you, Jesus. I just pray, God, that you would be drawing people to yourself. God, we know that we need you. And I, and I just pray that many would come to know you, Jesus, for the first time or even coming back to you and understanding and being in relationship with you and understanding more of your heart. God, I pray that we would be people that, that bring before the altar, be, bring before you sacrifices and idols and things that are, are getting in the way of our true worship of you. Lord, we, we want to honor you. We want to live for you. We want to be passionate for you and all the things that 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 don't matter all the things that we're getting so caught up with god i just pray that those things would just kind of fall away or those things won't be so important in our life but that our life would be revolving around you and how we can obey you and how we can hear your voice and how we can be in community as a, as a group of people that trust you and encourage each other to be in the word, seeking your heart and being in relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you that you love us and, you sent your, and that you were sent to the cross in our place. And thank you that you didn't stay dead, but you are alive and that you are seeking us. Whether we are far away from you, or not. God, I just thank you that you are a good Father. And we pray that we would seek you and trust you and obey you. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.